Herb Alpert, the team on the brass, Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. In addition to Fangraphs Audio that comes live, uh, live on tape from the lobby of the Philadelphia Merritt downtown, Philadelphia Marriott downtown, but live from that esteemed downtown landmark, uh, it is uh, contributor to NBC's Hardball Talk, co-proprietor of uh, internetting podcast, internet podcast, Gleeman and the Geek, and a seminal voice in baseball blogging. Generally, it is Aaron Gleeman. Uh, Aaron Gleeman was, of course, in attendance at Sabre 43, much as was David Temple, uh, whose name is not only invoked uh, in, in the uh, podcast, uh, which is to follow, but actually appeared in the most recent edition of Fangraphs Audio before this one. This edition of Sabre, Sabre 43, marked Gleeman's 10th, I believe, uh, 10th consecutive Sabre conference. And we had a pleasant conversation. Hard, uh, definitely, definitely the case. Two points, uh, two points to make. Uh, tomorrow, let's see, this is Tuesday on which I'm recording this event. Tomorrow I will be recording the introduction to it, uh, an interview I did this past Sunday at Fenway Park with Nick Pecoro. Uh, Nick Pecoro, of course, being the beat reporter uh, for the Diamondbacks of the Arizona Republic. Earlier this year I conducted an interview with Pecoro at the Press Box Cafe at uh, Milwaukee's Miller Park. Uh, not very long after that I conducted another conversation with, with Pecoro, another interview from the Press Box Cafe of Wrigley Field in Chicago. This next edition will represent the third of that trilogy, uh, an interview we conducted at the Press Box Cafe at Fenway Park. So that is to follow. That is uh, the next episode, which will appear after this one. I have that audio. I just need to um, record an introduction, edit it, and, uh, put it and publish it. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing to say is that there will be a Fangraphs meetup the, uh, August 16th. Fangraphs meet, uh, meet up in August 16th at the Mead Hall in Cambridge. Uh, it begins at 7 p.m. at the Mead Hall in Cambridge on Friday, August 16th. Familiar names in attendance, uh, um, including, perhaps not limited to, David Appleman, Dave Cameron, Paul Swyden, uh, Bill Petty, Steve Slowinski, David Lorla, and, uh, and myself. We will all be there uh, having a good time. That's the same weekend as the uh, Brooks Baseball Sab- Sabre Seminar is what that is. Uh, in any case, let's... Uh, let's uh, uh, Let's move on then, and we'll move to my conversation with Aaron Gleeman uh, live uh, on tape from the Philadelphia Marriott downtown in Philadelphia. Uh, it's Fangraphs Audio. It features Aaron Gleeman, and it begins right now. I apologize for the uh, the seating arrangement here. No, I'm sorry. Um, it's going to require maybe that you you might have to lean hunch. in a little. Yeah, What's I'm the perfect distance here? I'll try to keep a. Uh, well, I can kind of control. I mean, do you feel is that comfortable for you to sit like that? Yeah, a little. Not terrible. Not terrible. I think that's going to be. Good. I hunch anyway, so it's a natural. Uh, all right, hold on. Turn this off. Yeah. What do you got? So you get, you're here. I'm here. Are we starting? Yeah, you're far. Has this started? Yeah, all right. You feel good there? Uh, I feel great, Carson. Yeah. How do you feel about this? About the, um, what we have here? What mm-hmm. you and I have here? Mm-hmm. I feel it's good. This thing we got going on? Yeah. You, you, uh, you're getting some, uh, fa- not FaceTime, but voice, voice time. Sorry, because you interrupted David Temple's. I listened to this this morning. You this, did. I'm uh, sorry. Let's call, I'm sorry. It, let's call it this afternoon. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're sorry for uh, my appearance on for that. being you. Yeah, although it wasn't. 
I imagine it being worse than it was in retrospect. No, I, I think I it think. was fine. It was fine. In my head, it was like uh, I pushed uh, David Temple, who's a fantastic guest, I thought. Oh, he's good. I even listened to your Astros talk with him after I left the podcast. I thought it was fantastic. You didn't You didn't have to listen to that. You're not obligated in any sense. True. Yeah. Uh, and I, in my brain, afterward, I thought, well, I pushed him aside and then stayed on for a half hour. No, it was about four minutes of me. No, it wasn't bad. Which is about what people can take. Yeah, but they're going to get more of that today. Possibly. We'll see yeah. how it goes. I could always just walk off and we have off. A, you, you part, you're, you're part of right now a pretty excellent lineup uh, on Fangraphs Audio. We have we have David Temple, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a crack guest. One of my favorite people. Yeah. And my favorite uh, writers, and turns out Fangraphs Audio guests. Has he been on before? Yeah, he's he been has, on before. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good talker, though. He's yeah. a, um, his own podcast. Okay. Let's plug his podcast. Let's do that. Stealing right Home. Now. Let's do it. Which is stealinghome.com or, or .org. Prob- maybe .org. .org. Okay. You could Google Stealing Home. I've been a guest on that. Temp baseball. Oh, you have? Yeah. Have you been a guest on that? I have, yeah. Multiple times? Yeah. Ooh, you're having me there. No, oh, yeah. Only, you only had me, didn't have me back. Well, he didn't He didn't necessarily... He had me do like a uh, like a recorded piece. Yeah, like a segment. Yeah. Did yeah. you do that? No. Oh, okay. You talked with him. Yeah, I forget what we talked. What did we talk about? Something. He said. He said. Yeah, I want you to prepare something, Carson. I, you know, I don't want. We don't want. Yeah, don't well, he's got that sort of NPR vibe, yeah. and that's kind of the NPR the vibe. Gra- glass motto of like prepared. I don't listen to that all the well, time. Well, radio pieces. Yeah. I mean, I think that's there's probably a great tradition of that. I'm, I'm not a radio historian, but my guess is that this is not uh, unprecedented. Yeah. In radio history, but um, and I think that that's part of what this American life. I think it, originally, if not now, was uh, part of its mission statement was to um, sort of revisit um, some aspects of radio history that had been forgotten along the way. Yeah, I've liked. It. I don't listen to. That's like one of the most popular. Well, it's a radio show, but podcasts also, right? This American oh, Life. Assume. It's yeah, always yeah. number yeah. one or number. Th- it's always I, that and Adam Carolla's show on on iTunes, it, which strikes me as a real odd pairing. Uh, different. I'm a long time. Adam Crow a fan yeah. used to be yeah but based on Loveline and yeah that was what I think that was kid, his first big exposure yeah I used right? to listen to that constantly uh, turns out he's kind of a scumbag is he and uh, Dr. Drew who I also loved on Love and I, I wouldn't call him a scumbag he seems to be a nice you know family man Dr. and all that Dr. stuff Dr. Drew Dr. Drew Pinsky yeah but not the greatest he's kind of for a doctor a little, little too willing to exploit uh, people who got some real serious problems. But yes, because I believe he was a—he was on one of those shows where you collect uh, yeah, celebrity rehab type, yeah, right, or interventiony type there's stuff. A, it's a bit exploited. Makes me sad. But there's also—I mean, yeah, I guess you can make the case that those people um, are willing to be exploited. Yeah, but I, I think the stronger the case would be they don't—they either are struggling with the idea of not being famous to the point that they are willing to do anything, yeah, or they are so deep into whatever they're worst problem is that they're yeah. that they just uh, don't have the ability to make decisions that will that not healthy, hurt them yeah. Yeah. and you would think uh, this guy's an addiction medicine medicine specialist which yeah. he used to always say every show on Loveline I'm an addiction uh, medicine specialist yeah he should know better that these people these Dr. People, Drew if you're listening to this uh, yeah. shame on you maybe well I don't know but yeah but um, and it turns out Adam Carolla just is kind of not a great not is a great that true guy. what yeah. is he he uh well, not to get political, but he's super, uh, you know, he thinks all people who weren't born in the country should uh, be thrown oh, out of the country. Okay. And now, that was he type sort of, of a libertarian? So I would say he was, but now he's just kind of a Republican, which, uh, <laughs> you know, you could probably tell by the tone of my voice there without saying too much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, kind of uh, sad, let's get, the, let's make it this episode as divisive as possible. Yes. What else can we, let's get some hard button issues. Well, no, but it's an interesting point that you make, though. I do notice that there is, uh, it's not uncommon, 
um, among the um, the comedy community. It's not uncommon to find people who identify as libertarian at some level. Yeah. Who even if like I know even Mark Maron, um, who I think in a lot of ways you could you know you could say politically he you know, he's liberal. Yeah. He has that sort of libertarian streak. And I think that there is. I don't think it's a mistake. Is my point. I think that there is something about the sort of individuality, the quality of individualism necessary to make one a talented stand-up comedian, right? It's um, One could very easily get the idea that uh, it's a meritocracy and that, you know, one needs to exist on his or her own terms. Yes. You're out, you're, all, you're alone on the stage. And there is sort yeah. of a, um, this uh, maybe sort of cowboy mythos to it. Yes. You know? Yeah, like... You're kind of going, yeah, and it's always the words used to describe. I killed, I slayed him. Yeah, it's like it's mostly kind of nerdy, not uh, physically strong guys. Right. But then they go up, and you're right. They're kind of like, well, look There's what an I just did here. Mentality to I just it. took this mic and killed this audience. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then, but you're also right. Like in terms of their upbringing, their overall personality, they're mm-hmm. all individuals would be a nice way to put it but you know outcasts or whatever kind of right. angry sometimes right. so yeah misinterpreted yeah, cuz like uh Bill Maher is always identifying himself as a libertarian right. although i would say he's not a tremendously uh, great guy either based uh, on that, norm norm mcdonald yeah certainly who grew up in in canada, in canada yeah it does uh, dennis miller has uh, always dennis been. miller went i think he's just full on corollaville at this oh, point yeah, he, but, uh, I, but i'm saying a lot of them go in this direction i was just listening to Seinfeld and somebody, maybe that comedians in cars getting yeah, yeah, getting c- coffee, c- and they c- were c- talking c- about Dennis Miller. Or no, Seinfeld was on promoting that on Howard Stern. Oh, okay. oh like, which was I uh, you now you uh, tweeted out the link to that, yeah, and I listened, listened to it immediately. Good interview, yeah, I thought. Yeah, and they were talking about Dennis Miller and how and Seinfeld's theory. I'm pretty sure it was during that interview. Seinfeld's theory was Dennis Miller was a great comedian, which I think almost everyone would agree with. Yeah. This is a long 20 years ago. Yeah, and that he just decided. He either couldn't continue to produce the original thoughts necessary to continue that, yeah. or he just decided, I got X number of millions, everyone knows who I am, I put my feet up and just kind of become Beep. Rush Limbaugh, Right. which I give him credit for shifting careers in that way, because now I guess he's successful in that realm, but it's, yeah, it's, it is weird when a comedian is all of a sudden talking about, like, yeah, they think people should have guns and let's kick these people out of the country, because that seems to go, because there's, there's a certain level of empathy Required. In good comedy, I think. Yeah. That you have to... The comedian always says... We might have been discussing this the other night. Oh, oh no, but I was having a similar discussion with uh, Temple and Michael Bates and uh-huh. Bill Parker, which is that a comedian has to put himself below the audience. Yes. Right? And then when... when it, or... Or way above, like a your and, guy, Anthony Justin. Anthony Justin. Right. That's which, the thing. So absurdly above... Uh, but one has to... Which, if Dane Perry was listening to this, which he's probably not, he no. just turned it off. Yeah. Because that's his... He didn't start it. He hates that. Yeah, that's yeah. very likely. Um, right, he didn't care for it. But, um, right, and so actually we were having a discussion with regard to uh, Pat Oswalt. There are moments in Pat Oswalt's comedy um, where I feel like he de- he's not, he's not uh, submitting himself fully before the audience. He has a joke about yeah. visiting this, the Hormel factory where spam is made or something like this. And he says, uh, um, I want to go because I'll be the first real visitor to the Spam mm-hmm. Museum or whatever. The Spam Museum. Yeah. And because it's only ever been hipsters before. But hipster, yeah. is, a, is, a, is a, that's a divisive term. Yes, and it's also his entire audience, or was for a long time. Well, right. And who say. knows? The point is that no one self-identifies as a hipster. That's true. Not and even so, you, Carson? No. Hmm, that's uh, that's interesting. I think, I mean, hip, there's actually, you know, there's been sociological work done on 
the 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 people who are typically characterized as hipsters, yeah. and it adds, there's at some level there's a sort of co-opting of of lowbrow culture or you know uh, vintage culture and uh, a repurposing of it, etc. You know, and a lot of it, a lot of these these people come from very similar socioeconomic backgrounds, etc. I mean, it's a pretty specific group, right? It seems to me, I'm not. I would say I'm not a hipster, but if you know, if if I was, I wouldn't identify with that. But right. it seems to me that it's. Uh, fairly well off. It's all white people. It's typically typical or white or minorities who grew up in uh, largely white communities. I would say right. Yeah, socioeconomically. Not, yeah, and not bright those. and probably had really professional, smart uh, parents. Yeah, and that's like their form of rebellion, which is always going to be the case in every group. You're going to rebel against whatever your the right. previous generation was. But it's a weird uh, thing. But the thing you were saying about comedians uh, having to put themselves below the audience for the most part. I think that's why I agree with that, and I think that's why so many comedians, when they get famous, there are two reasons. One is a lot of them they struggle to continue being great stand-ups. One is they go off and do something else: right. TV show, movies, whatever. Right, right, right. The other is, you know, when Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, he's successful, but when he gets up on the stage, everyone looking at him goes, "Well, he has a billion dollars, yeah, and he has the greatest sitcom ever." Or Chris, even Chris Rock, who has right. not been tremendously successful in movies, right, but. Everybody knows Chris Rock's got $100 million, and anytime he wants to get a movie made, he can make it. And so if he ever gets up there and has any sort of woe is me bit, right. which is a lot of comedy, it's impossible that it's a very tough sell. It is a lot of comedy. And actually, that's maybe what has helped. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's co- uh, jokes are not based on that. Right. They are based off of, I mean. The, yeah, they're uh, almost based none on him. There's no personal... He's a little bit more wife and kids now just because he has a wife and kids. Right. But they're not stories. It's never I went to the grocery store. Yeah, it's when you're at the grocery store instead of I went. He's not not suffering on stage for your benefit. Right. Like, for example, like Mark Maron is. Yeah. Right. He's... uh, Mark Maron is like... He's like... I think that's right. Mark Maron is sorting... He's working things out in front of you. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that's a problem for him now because he's not as... Yeah, I wonder about that. He's talked about it a little bit, but... Well, and also... Yeah, he's not as... God... I think he's got fiance. Yeah, he's got a uh, some money now. Yep. And the bigger personal struggle for him was always, I'm I'm good at what I do, and no one seems to care. Yeah. And now he has hundreds of people in every city who like bring him, you know, baked goods. Yeah. And he sells out shows yeah. to people who specifically want to see him. Right. So it's not quite the you know I have fifty million, but it's oh I can't say I am struggling artist people anymore. People love me. People love me for precisely what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. And but he has to also continue to do that. So at some point it becomes sort of a lie. He kills the struggle on stage. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's. Oh, maybe not. Maybe he can. Maybe he can talk about you know airplane food at some point. He can become. Or maybe the, you say dealing with success. You know. I mean, this is that's become a theme. For yeah. Him. Yeah. Ultimately, if you're good, you can always figure out a way to be funny. I think. Yeah. I, I have never been a huge Patton Oswalt fan. I don't know what rubs me the wrong way with him. He's uh, clearly really funny, but I mean, I never. Yeah. I feel so, and, and, and uh, even more, even more for that same reason is uh, why I've never been a fan of David Cross. Yeah, I'm sort of the same way. He's with him. he's a little bit angry. Yeah, which I don't. He's very smart and he's angry. I, the political stuff I don't really yeah. think is ever that funny. Yeah, uh, because in the back of my mind, even when it is funny, in the back of my mind I think, yeah, you're still just a comedian. Like what? Yeah. Y- y- you read the New York Times cover to cover at brunch yesterday, which is a whole hell of a lot more than I did. Yeah. But so you're the 99th percentile of comedians yeah. in this area, <laughs> but you're still you know way less than the worst senator in the world, right? And you know way less than the worst political reporter in the world. And like why, you know, 
Like yeah. Brian Williams, the newscaster. Yeah. Uh, is really funny for yeah. a newscaster. Yeah. But I'm not going to a stand-up show if he ever does a stand-up show. Right. Not well, that he's when you a see him like make an appearance on Thirty Rock, it's great. You but you're always saying he's funny for yes. You're like, oh, that's unexpected. It's a question yeah. of context. Like, people always say, you know, Aaron, you're really sexy uh, for a blogger. People, people always well, say Well, I've said it. My mom says that sometimes. Yeah. Cute, she says. Handsome. Hey, hey speaking of, yeah. uh, Judy Gleeman? Yeah. She'll um, listen to this, by the way. Guaranteed. Well, I'll tell you right now, big retweet on the David Temple podcast from Judy Gleeman. Ooh, that's not good. I blocked her on Twitter, by the way. You did? Yeah, Does she did. know? Uh, she knows I, I won't friend her on Facebook. Yeah, well, actually, I've blocked her on Twitter. I have strong, I have strong feelings about um, inter, not intergenerational friending yeah. on Facebook. I yeah. think is fine because you might maybe there's an aunt that you care about or something. But parents and children should have they should not unless your unless your child is under fourteen or something right. like that. Where it's like a, it's question, a monitoring situation. Right, it's a privacy question yeah. of safety. But after that, no, you shouldn't know. Parents should—they should not know that much about their children. You should—they should love their children and, and, and kids. Uh, on their part, they should uh, respect that. You know, if, the, if it, this is the case, that their parents love them, and uh, you know, respect their parents if not always. What would you think about a parent? Hi, mom. By the way. Yeah. What would you think about a parent who, uh, let's say, has a thirty-year-old son? Yeah. Like only a, child. Just say hypothetically. Yeah. Handsome for a blogger, thirty-year-old son. Oh, this is a hypothetical? Yeah, because okay. well, it's clearly not me. Yeah. And uh, won't, can't get that kid to friend them on Facebook. So has decided to then friend every uh, kid that person that their child was friends with. Yeah. Every kid who ever slept over at their house as 12-year-olds yeah. has now reached out to them. And they don't know any better because they just remember, uh, let's call her Judy. I just remember Judy. For example, Judy was a pretty good mom, stock, well-stocked fridge and cable TV, and you know now she's trying to friend me on Facebook. And that's but that's the workaround. She can't so get. Did she see your comments well, then? But she can see if a friend of mine from high school uh, comments on one of mine. She sees it via his wall or whatever. She gets into yeah. the back door. Yeah, into the back door. That's good. Uh, I like your relationship with your mom. It's, I like uh, that. That public. makes one of us. I like that she embraces it. It's very amusing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes for good. Uh, podcast fodder i guess but of course it does yeah. now let me let me ask you this hmm. you, i think that uh, i think it'd be fair to call you a little bit mouthy is that fair a little mouthy okay do you think it's fair do you think it's fair uh that, does that have a negative connotation no not for me okay then i'll take it um i'm curious because we're in a city we're in philadelphia yeah it's a mouthy populace yeah i like it and that's what i was curious i about. love it i mean our sample size here yeah. is very small in terms of interaction i've been to you know Four bars and three restaurants and a hotel, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, and the subway. There was a guy next to me on the subway, uh, singing, uh, coming back from the game last night. Full, full volume. It's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. Yeah. Uh, did full song, sitting right next to me. Just that guy. Yeah. And I thought, that's great, as long as it doesn't turn violent, because that's yeah. a decent song. And he had a, a terrible voice, but he's really putting his heart into it. Yeah. And, uh, I've gotten into a couple, Heated but very nice arguments with people about various things at bars, fun arguments. Yeah. And coming from Minnesota where we're so passive aggressive that we yeah. just let it all build up inside and then right. yell at each other on Thanksgiving once yeah. a year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. I like uh, um, the, the thing I think that um, Northeasters do well in, in people not from the area or not familiar with the area um, might read it differently. But I think that there's excellent I, – I might have gone on about this at length – uh, previous uh, previous edition of the park, but um, there's a ritualized hostility. Do you know what I mean? There are outlets for hostility. Yes, 
and also that allows you to then shake it off Precisely. where you don't it doesn't stick with you right. like i can i can be just meet some random person at a bar stool on a bar stool yeah. and say uh you know, three minutes in, that's dumb what you just said. And it's not, oh, I have to get away from this person. It's right. now we're sharing a beer. Yeah. Now we know that we can both say that was stupid yeah. and then we can have some fun, which I like. Yeah. And I think it's rare uh, in Minnesota, although not my family's a little bit like that. Like all, all we do is get together and yell at each other I about would things that that was and then shake it off. Yeah. And then that's the fun of it, I right. guess. But yeah, you can't. Uh... I also saw, I mean, they, they booed their own center fielder, John Mayberry, who the poor guy is only playing center field because... Yeah, they have no one who can, you know, travel further than twelve feet to catch a they, fly it ball. It was not. Uh, yesterday we saw a game with uh, Darren Ruff and left. Darren Ruff and left. John Mayberry Jr. in center. Who in center. I'll be nice and call him a left fielder. Yeah, and uh, my guy, your guy, Delman, Delman Young, friend in, of Jew in, everywhere, in right field. Young in right field. <laughs> friend of Jew's, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, which is it's got to be one of the worst outfields. Um, certainly this year. I think the Mets in recent years. Some combination of like Lucas Duda, yeah. and uh, I mean, they play a lot of first basemen. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was um, you felt bad for the pitcher. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan Martin, Martin in that case, who uh, was cruising along. Yeah, this is our baseball content of, yeah. the, of the show, and then uh, just kind of exploded. What did you think of the? Well, you were we were in the press box? Is that for, what happened for part of his start? Yeah. What did you think of the ballpark in general, or have you been to this ballpark I before? I thought it was fine. I this was is my first time here. Yeah, I thought it was not not a thing wrong with it. Yeah, could never I could never see anybody not liking it. Yeah, but I also could never see anybody coming back and going, "You got to see Philly's ballpark." I agree with you. So, which I agree maybe with speaks you. to how well, in general, the newer ballparks have been made. That yeah, that's kind of. I'll tell you one feature I like was because uh, uh, yeah I did part of the game in the press box and I did part up where the where the Saber folks were yeah they were up in like section forty great seats well they were high but uh, well I was I have something to say about the view for a second um the right below that section for it for I think it's in three hundred they have a great thing which is you know if you get you can get some food at one of the the uh, places there and there's a standing area you know. Behind the rows of seats, you can put your food on there. That's where I spent the whole game. Like a stainless steel table yeah, area? Yeah, but in the 100 level. Oh, that's have nice. That too. Right behind Delman, we've got to stare at Delman's ass the whole game. Yeah. Am I allowed to say ass? Yeah, well, you sure. can edit it out. Yeah, Mark it. the time. Uh, no, the ass is fine. Okay. The ass was fine. Yeah. The ass was fine. Uh, yeah, so right field, we just stood there, and we had our own little table there. It was perfect. Yeah. Ten yeah. idiots or however many idiots were yeah. there. And yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to talk about those idiots in, uh, yeah. in a bit. So it was fun because, you know... I was in whatever section 418, third row from the literally the worst seat in the whole place, mm-hmm. and we walked up there, and I was like lightheaded from walking up there, and you I said thought, no. I thought this, I no. thought I'm gonna be drinking, I'm already gonna be lightheaded from being up here, I don't want to die here. You don't want to. <laughs> I like Philadelphia, but I feel like it would be a bad place to die. Um, well, you gotta bring your body back. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You, you want to die in your hometown? Is, if you could die rough. in your hometown, I've actually thought about this. Really, in terms of dying. Just die for me. Die surrounded by people that I that I love. Like you actually want to pass away in the presence of other people, yeah, or you? Yeah, sure. Slip, slip away. I don't know about that. That I think that's is your last. I memory. think there are embarrassing aspects to the physical act of dying that maybe get overlooked. Uh, oh, like you uh, empty your bowels? Yeah, or, or or things like that that maybe wouldn't be so pretty. And also, that's a real bad experience for them. 
admit, well, I think that we uh, somebody's got to lift you somewhere, and you know. No, they don't. They bring in the people to do that. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't mind. Maybe. Depends how it is. But people die. But it's better than dying in a in a in a hot. I'm not saying I don't want to die in a hospital. Is what I'm saying. Right. Oh, I agree with that. We we'll come home. I want to be medicated, and I don't want. <laughs> I mean, I medicated be, like with uh, port for, wine or really truly medicated? Well, whatever. we've been the, doing quite a bit of that. Although you skipped out on that. Maybe we'll talk about that later when we talk about my, my idiot friends. Oh, you went upstairs. Yeah, you really skipped out. We had some... The, uh, we met hotel the, security. Lot, it was very fun. Huh? We met hotel security last night in my yes, room. Yes, you did. It was very fun. I, I, yeah, David Temple reported back on that. Yeah, it's David Temple was a real champ. And I he be, left early as well. I believe it might have been his fault at some level, though. He, 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 oh, he we had a nice heated discussion. He proposed a hypothetical yes. that maybe he shouldn't have yeah. proposed. No, I thought it was a good one. The hypothetical being? The hypothetical was, uh, I think I was the, the test subject. It was, would I rather be me... Mm-hmm. For the rest of my life, for the however, rest of your life, however long or short that would be. Well, it, it presupposes that it will be long. That it will be longish, yeah. Or we were watching Sports Center, yeah. So it, Tiger Woods was on, yeah. Or would I rather trade that for the next ten years of Tiger Woods' life? Right. And I said, and so did David. I'll take Tiger Woods' life because yeah. you can do a lot of work in that ten years. Do, yeah, you get yeah. Whereas I'm not doing that much uh, great stuff. Although this podcast is pretty fun, but. I feel like 10 years, and everyone else in the room, who were, we were the youngest in the room, everyone else in the room, very loudly, which is how hotel security got brought in, yeah. uh, said, you guys are idiots. Yeah. The only reason you're saying this is because you're not 50, you haven't lived those middle years yet, or yeah. whatever years. Uh, but I, just from a baseball standpoint, it's a peak versus longevity issue to me. It's, do you want to be Don Sutton, right. or do you want to be Sandy Koufax? Right. Well, uh, Epicurus... Uh Greek philosopher Epicurus makes this analogy. He says, uh, after you have a meal, you never say, oh, that meal was great because it was so long. Right. 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 You say the meal was great because it tasted excellent, and maybe the quality of the company was excellent. Right. And if it tastes great and the quality of the company is very high, then, you're, then, you, then you want it to last longer than not. But if you have a choice between the two, you want the experience to have been delicious and you want to have been surrounded by great people, excellent company, as opposed to be like, that was that was long. And also, if you have a truly great meal, yeah, I would I would bet that the length of time uh, before your next meal is longer than it normally would be. Whereas if you're just going to McDonald's all the time, yeah, you're eating constantly. So, in ten years of Tiger Woods, I could yeah. have let's say some great meals, which really a lot of double entendre <laughs> here. Uh, I could fit in more fun in ten years yeah. of Tiger Woods than even sixty years of, of let's say Aaron Gleeman. Well, you'd be you'd be a handsome professional athlete. Yeah. Would you say handsome for an athlete, or just straight handsome, up handsome? I think he's a handsome guy. Okay. I mean, if nothing yeah. else, in the way that men are handsome. I mean, he's not like <laughs> as opposed know, he's, to he's dogs like, and he, women. Well, he's clean. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he has a nice physique. I guess. Yeah. Would I have to continue working out to maintain that if I, I were Tiger Woods? I think that if you are Tiger Woods, you don't. Like, you got a work- couple years before it falls apart. Even but if it also the workouts are like they're not as hard for you. That's true. Not as str- yeah. Maybe, you, you don't know. think he uh, does the elliptical for 22 minutes and then just has to like lie starts, down and watch baseball for crying. 45 minutes and have uh, have a drink afterward? Um, I would immediately quit golf. By the way, in this scenario, yeah. Because why do you need? He's got money, right? And you don't want to waste time golfing when you only have 10 years. Right, I mean. Well, you might if you're good at golfing, it might feel good. Yeah, but do you imagine Tiger Woods enjoys golfing, or is it in the way that I I enjoy writing about baseball? 
but if you told me I have 10 years to live and would I wouldn't have it. to write about baseball, yeah. I probably would still write a little bit about baseball, but I certainly wouldn't wake up in the morning and write about baseball. Right. I think there's a certain pleasure <clears throat> to performing an, an act with which you have some familiarity right. and mastery, right? right? Like, you, when you sit down, like, my guess is you know what Aaron Gleeman's voice sounds like. It's easy enough for you to write in the voice of yeah. Aaron Gleeman about baseball. Sure. And there, therefore, you do it. It's nice to, oh, this is something I know how to do. Yeah. Because the probably, day is long. The day is long. It's hard to fill up with every, like, because you had planned, oh, what am I going to do now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think part of what you're saying, though, has to do with la- the ladies. Is that, I mean, with regard well, to... not th- even that, like, yes, but also just the, the ease with which you can move through life mm-hmm. and do anything you want. Yeah. If, if I want to come to Philadelphia, I don't have to... Uh, you know, shop online at Delta.com and get there right. early. You probably have a... Check my bag and all this You have a stuff. Centurion card. Uh, yeah. You would probably just uh, pick one of your private jets if yeah. you're Tiger Woods. Does he have multiple jets? Got to imagine. Got the Nike jet at his disposal at the very least, right? Is that right? Nike just has a jet say you can fly around? I mean, they must, right? He's not flying uh, commercial. I assume not. One assumes not. And if you see... If you're driving and you see another car next to you... You know, I you know, a Honda Fit is a hell of a car. Honda Fit. A Honda Fit, which is essentially a, like a golf cart, but with a slightly do you have bigger a Honda back Fit? seat. I do have a Honda Fit. Okay. Um, but I, so when I'm driving my Honda Fit and I pull up next to, you know, a Porsche, mm-hmm. and I say, "Wow, I will never be able to afford that." However, if I was Tiger Woods, you just buy it. You go. I mean, you could just roll down your window and just say, "How much for that?" And then you probably have a couple million in cash on you. Just cash. Yeah, just you know, in tens and twenties, probably. Yeah, that would. That's what I assume that he, what he fills his back seat with tens and twenties. So, but you're assuming that you have. I assume like the same. You, know, you you make you make a point of suggesting that um, you are a hermit. Yeah, um, but you are also part of. You're part of an electronic community, certainly. Yeah, you uh, you actually do go out of your house, even though you. I mean, you go to record your uh, every week. You have a radio program. That's true. I'm better than I used to be. About, yeah. Uh, and there are people with whom you're friends. Here, you come here and you, and you have these acquaintance, your idiot friends. That's true. Yeah. You're part of a community. If you had that much money, you might. Um, that might that might change. Yeah. Although, I think the people who are in his crew. Do we know these people? He may question. Well, they're probably whoever his current caddy is. Okay. And then. He's gone through a few, but I, I, I assume he, like many famous rich people, will at some point, various points, question why are they friends Their with loyalty, me. yeah. But if, A, you only have 10 years, mm-hmm. who cares? Okay. I mean, you can ponder a lot in 10 years, I guess, yeah. but it's not. And, B, I think the people at that level who have advanced to Tiger Woods' crew yeah. are probably very good. If They they probably genuinely like him, but even if they don't, their acting has been honed to the degree. It took such good acting to get into that crew right. that he's not going to know the difference. And if you can trick yourself into... Talented actors. I mean, look, if, if these people want to... Like Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. Like except Kevin Spacey. Of- without breaking the... Uh, which wall? Third or fourth wall? Fourth wall. Fourth wall. I mean, it depends, depends what How you're accustomed to. How many walls are in that? Yeah. <laughs> Some places only have three walls, so yeah. you can't break the fourth wall. Well, like a, tri- a triangular room? Yeah. One of those three-walled rooms that well, you always the Pentagon, hear about. Like you, you read about. If you were at the Pentagon, you'd want to break the fifth wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how we... It seems like a really, for me, yeah. deep conversation. But the point, I think, was the older, the older members of your, your posse... Yes. They suggested that uh, having children. Yes. 
Although was Tiger it? Woods has a child. I don't know if I technically like take over his life literally mm. or not, but uh, yeah, I could see the 10 year thing. If you have a six year old kid, you probably don't want to die when they're 16. You want to see him go to college? You want to see him get married? Yeah. See him drop out of college. See him, yeah. Take a job blogging, just <laughs> buy a Honda Fit, and then do a podcast, and, you know, see where it takes you. See where it's, yeah. Yeah. Now, let's talk about your idiot friends. Yes. They are... You met many of them. I did last night, and uh, I think I've seen them at the previous two Sabre conferences. Yep. They're all members of Baseball Think Factory. Yeah. Used to be Baseball Primer, or Primer, however okay, you want to sure, pronounce that. Sure. That was the original... When, what years are we... What year are we talking about? Well, like in O one or O two when I was in college, I was like eighteen or nineteen, I started hanging out there. And then I started blogging about the twins and Dan Zimborski, who now writes for ESPN a lot. And ESPN. uh does a weekly chat of fangraphs. That's right. Uh he was the editor he still is I think or maybe not anymore that he's doing the ESPN stuff, but he was the editor, managing editor or whatever of baseball primer. And he I think reached out to me or it was sort of an open door policy where if you wrote something and you wanted on on BP, as opposed to B Pro, there was a big conflict oh, there yeah, back right, in the BP, day. BP, I wasn't really BP. involved in that, but you could send it to Dan, and he would give it a read. And if it wasn't terrible, he would post it, and then people would comment on it. And that was, I would guess, that was my first experience having more than, let's say, a hundred people read anything I'd ever written my whole life. Right? Was I wrote a thing about the twin? I think it was in the off season of either 01 or 02. It was a, kind of like a plan for the twins. Yeah. And back then, I used to write a lot of words and it was probably like three parts and 10,000 words or something like that. A plan for the twins. Yeah. These, were the, these were the, you know, the Joe Mays, Christian Guzman, oh. Brad Radke. It was... Jack the, Jones? Jack Jones, Tory Hunter. Their first year of not being terrible for 10 years. Yeah. And then they had 10 good years after that and now they're back to being terrible. But yeah, that's where I started out. Hanging out on the message board basically. Yeah. That's where I met a lot of these idiot friends. Yeah. And then, but it also was my start writing for a decent sized audience. We had now was the internet the internet back then in terms of the the tone of uh, messages being left was it the of, world's tone, worst people tone of saying the, the world's worst things to each other? Yeah, although it was more of a it's more of a community. Yeah, it was more it's everyone kind of knew. It. It's like what we're talking about being in Philly. You can say terrible things because you know they're going to say terrible things back to you, and neither of them are going to remember it an hour later. It's not, they're not scarring. Yeah, yeah. And so it was. I don't know how my perception was that there were hundreds of people participating in these, you know, discussions about news stories on there, but it was probably not that many. And then some of them had gone to the O whatever Sabre convention. It was in either Boston or Denver or something like that. And they, a couple of them, a handful, had enjoyed it, came back and told stories of meeting this person and meeting that person and yeah. they loved it. And I thought, well, that sounds fun. Yeah. L- looking back, I don't know why I thought that because I was, whatever level of hermitness I am now, I was but, way more than that. Was it the appeal of, uh, you know, you're, you're together with these people and you have sort of like a, uh, a baseline of familiarity with each other electronically, but also you could take for granted that we have we have baseball, not just baseball in common, but also a certain approach to baseball in common. Yes, and also the I would guess a lot of them were had some hermit tendencies too. People who hang out on a right. message board, and also. I think part of it was I became friends with all these people, emailing, we joined fantasy leagues together, yeah. and there's just a natural curiosity. I know I've been talking to this guy, Joe, for a year and a half, twice a week, yeah. wonder what he looks like, yeah. wonder if he's a weirdo, wonder what it's beer not, he likes. I would say, from what I understand of this crew, it's the, finding out what they look like is not the best part. Yeah. I mean, that's hit, it's hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> I will say, they, so the first year I showed up to it, 
you know, you look at the name tags, you're looking for each other. Nobody really knows what they look like. Yeah. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised. There weren't a lot of complete weirdos. Yeah. Uh, that has changed some over the years as yeah. we welcome new members in. But the other part I think that drew me was, you know, guys like Rob Nyer, yeah. who I would say is my favorite baseball my favorite writer of all time, mm-hmm. and someone uh, I tried to emulate, certainly in my, you know, in the early days of blogging, a lot of people were 10 posts a day. My thing was always, hey, Rob writes one column about some random topic he found interesting that morning. Yeah. And that's it. He'd come back the next morning with another column. That's what I always tried to emulate. But, And he would go to Sabre conventions or Bill James would go to a Sabre convention. And I thought, well, if they're going and I yeah. love them so much. Yeah, why not? Maybe. And it wasn't even, a, oh, I want to meet them. Like, I've gone to eight Sabre conventions that Rob Nyer was also at. Yeah. And I'm on maybe word 30 to him. And most of them are, hey, Rob. That's it. Is that right? And it's not, I'm, I never, like, I'm not into, like, I love baseball and sports. An autograph does nothing for me. A picture with somebody does nothing. I don't want to, like, glad hand, but it was more like, I respect these people so much. Yeah. And they not only enjoy these Sabre conventions, but re- seem to respect the people who attend these Sabre conventions. So let's get in the mix with that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm on number 10 now in a row. I can't imagine missing it. I come less and less for the actual convention yeah. parts every year like I've probably seen I saw the player panel and maybe three presentations this year but it's mostly an excuse to find a central location we go to an American city yeah you get to learn some things about we're that we're in Toronto once too but yes right. North American city that's been the case none in Mexico so far well it's usually no. it has to be a major although, league that'd be fun though major league city right yeah although they have baseball in Mexico we could see no, no major league baseball no but Mexican league Sure. As a, probably like uh, Julio Franco's probably still playing there. Documented by well, Barbaro Canizares. Yeah, remember that name? They have a lot of good players. A lot of former first base. Wasn't uh, Soria signed out of the Mexican League? And then eventually, Joseph Soria. Yes, yeah, that's, that's that became. Right. Yeah, the they generally you, you can get a guy or two every yeah. year out of it, and it works out. I mean, yeah. you know, you you find. Like, I feel like maybe uh, Belisario uh, came out of the, came out of the yeah. Mexican League. Maybe it's good baseball. He's I mean, better than us. I mean, the Twins are terrible, but I go to their games still. So the, the quality of baseball isn't as important as the uh, right experience of it, I guess. Uh, I mean, the way that uh, uh, Craig Robinson, yeah, uh, uh, flip flop, uh, flip flop, fly ball, yeah. flip flop, fly. He the way he documents the Mexican League makes it that's right seem very yes. romantic. I follow him on Tumblr. He's he's great. Yeah, I think we can all agreed. Oh, I, I was saying at the beginning, the uh, All Star cast. Uh, on uh, Fangraphs Audio over, over these couple uh, these couple episodes, David Temple yesterday, you today, and uh, do you know what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm leaving here, I'm leaving Philadelphia rather early, flying to Boston, going directly from Logan Airport to Fenway Park, where I will be um, conducting the third in a series of three interviews with Air, uh, Arizona Republic. Diamondbacks yes. writer Nick Picoro. Who I've listened to the first two. Yes. He's one of, great. One of which uh, took place in the Brewers Press Box Cafe. Yeah. Second one which took place in the Wrigley, Wrigley Field Press Box Cafe. And tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's will take place. If everything works out in the uh, uh, Fenway's, Fenway Park's Press Box Cafe. I like that. Yeah. So you guys hook up in different cities. Yeah. Maybe hook up not the greatest word choice, but... No, no, but we I, uh, meet each other. Yeah. yeah. I liked him, his writing. Yeah. Because part of my job is I track all these beat reporters and then aggregate their yeah. hard work into my slightly less hard work and then all that. But he was great writer. Yeah. Good reporter. Yeah. Entertaining on Twitter. Yes. And then I had never uh, seen him or heard him, and I was glad to hear yeah. that he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. A funny guy. Yeah. An interesting guy. Yeah. It's always a 
good. He's a, he's, a, he's a real he's a real pleasure. Yeah, um, we, I liked him. We uh, we got to meet him at our spring training. Uh, our spring yeah, training. Yeah, the Fangraphs event. Yeah, right. And he went out to dinner with us, and he I think he actually maybe showed up with Nyer that day. Okay. Um, and they uh, they shared uh, they were generous with us. And that was a that was a real pleasure. Yeah, he, and he's been very generous, and because he doesn't have to appear three times on Fangraphs Audio. Yeah, God. He's got, I, hey, this is my well. How many, yeah, it are is. we counting last night as one though? No, let's not do that. You let's, were uh, I'm at three point point oh five appearances. You did sort of like yesterday. There's a thing that happens on the, the modern version of Saturday Night Live. Maybe too much now, where the, you get a uh, just a, a brief appearance just from a cameo. Yeah, cameo from 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 a star. Yeah. Like, do you remember Mark Wahlberg talks to animals? Did you ever see that? Yes. And then I think like two weeks later or whatever, Wahlberg was actually on. Yeah. You know, just to. So I'm the Marky Mark of Fangraphs Audio. That's not bad. I would put that on a business card. Yeah, the Marky Mark of Fangraphs. Do you Audio. think it bothers him that through all the success he's had as a actor, singer, maybe yeah. producer, Perform, performer, uh, that he still idiots like me will forever call him Marky Mark. I think he's not worried about it. Yeah, because he's in that Tiger Woods, you know, strata where he just doesn't care. No, I think he's better than Tiger Woods because his life's because he's done everything. And like his public persona is one of have you ever seen him on a talk show? He's pretty brilliant on yeah. talk shows. He's just a he's a man of leisure. Yeah. Who is sort of accepted like he's done he does you know, sort of lowbrow action movies for the people. He's in a bunch of David O. Russell films yep. though. Um, which I obviously have a populist appeal, but are generally regarded as uh, rather good. And Boogie Nights, which is generally regarded as I think is great. Yeah, right. Uh, he, he's really, and that's that's Paul Thomas Anderson. Yep. So he's worked with auteurs, yeah, who also seem to respect him. Yeah, he sort of has credibility in a lot of different circles, uh, and I think that that's nice. The problem with Tiger Woods, right, is prior to his uh, sort of nightmarish yeah. interval there. He had a public image which depended on him. It depended on him being sort of uh, public or superficially virtuous. Yes. And it was not a large enough. It was not an all-encompassing enough public image to embrace. Whereas, like, if Charles Barkley did the things that they, that Tiger Woods yeah. did, everyone would be like, "Yeah." Like, I believe Charles Barkley at one point. He threw a guy through a window. I know. Yes, he did, and I believe that one point when he was caught drunk driving. In Phoenix yeah, or something. Yeah, there was somebody else in the car with him. Or, you know, he said he was on the way. On the way to, to for oral sex. Yes. Because this yeah. one yeah. prostitute he knew about was so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe he, he that was also the same encounter where he said, if you let me go, I'll tattoo my name on your ass. <laughs> we might not get turned about being fair play here, by the way. David Temple just gave me the both double middle fingers. Oh. Oh, now he's walking away. Now he's walking away. That would away. only be fair if he kicked me off my podcast yeah. appearance. Do you think that when he gave you double middle, no, my back was to him. Could have been one to you. Of them was Could have both been to you. Oh. None to me. None to, oh, just to my back. I mean, we really bonded last night. You and Temple. Yeah. That's you great. really, uh, yeah. But my point is that Tiger Woods' image was not, and I feel like if Mark Wahlberg, I mean, well, Mark Wahlberg has a, he's like a guy from the block. Yeah. He has that going on. There are on. certain guys, like I remember, I'm a big Howard Stern fan, I think I said that already. Yeah. But there are guys who get in trouble for saying things on television or radio. Mm hmm. Like, even Imus, who was sort of like a poor man's Howard Stern in perception from a lot of... I didn't think so, but right. I thought Imus was always terrible. But whatever Imus said about... It was at the Rutgers women's basketball yeah, team or something? Hose. Yes, yeah. which yeah. was not a great thing to say, obviously. Right. But if Howard Stern would have... Now, I would argue Howard Stern would never say that because it wasn't funny and it wasn't uh, smart. Right. But if Howard Stern were to say that, 
no one would care. I mean, a small percentage of people would care, but Howard Stern was not going to get fired for saying that. Right. Now, some of it is status, but some of it is, like you said, just the way you present yourself. I think the what we've come to expect from Howard Stern is that his tongue is constantly in his cheek. Right. 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 And you also, I think, Imus is probably, it seems to me, and this is, goes back to the perception thing, as not a great guy. Whereas you will never meet anybody who actually met Howard Stern off the radio mm-hmm. who doesn't go, he's like the sweetest guy. It was like so weird to meet him. And, he, right. and I think that comes across more now in his old age than it did in, when he was 25 or 30 or whatever. But I think that always comes across, whether it's because he's always kind of kidding around, like you said, or right. just there's some level of emotional connection that's like he doesn't quite mean anything he's just trying to get a laugh which I'm sure Imus would say he was just trying to get a laugh but right. Imus just kind of seems like a scumbag yeah well and pre- yeah I mean if you could cultivate again your public persona such that anything is allowed anything you know nothing would uh, necessarily outrage people and of course right. it's, it's to whom you're broadcasting people who are listening to Howard Stern have come to Howard Stern and I think Imus was still on terrestrial radio at that point or had a, it was on a cable show that he was doing. Yeah. Whereas you really, I think at this point, people do seek out Howard Stern. Yeah, that's true. you have to go to him. That's true. You know? Um, uh, so I, the, thing, the other thing that was interesting to me about the Seinfeld thing, uh, the Seinfeld interview on Howard Stern, was how, I've seen, you know, a number of different Howard Stern interviews over the years or listened to him. And, you know, like with these with, like, um, you know, you'll have uh, pornographic actresses yeah. on all the time. And immediately he said, you know, take off your clothes. Yeah. I and mean, that's where he goes immediately. Yeah. And, it, but, um, and he's, he's usually trying to get people into an uncomfortable place. And I don't know if it's just the gravitas that Seinfeld has. He did not. Right. He did not go anywhere and in near fact, that. He flipped it around to the point that when he started to plug his web series, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, yeah. he was talking about, you know, we had Larry David on, and we had Chris Rock on. These are all people, well, Chris Rock's a frequent guest on Howard Stern. And Howard Stern kind of said, uh, well, how come I'm not? I haven't been on it. And Seinfeld said that. Well, you think you think you're funny enough for that? And Howard said uh, he gave like a legit answer. He, said, he goes, "Yeah, I, I do think I'm funny enough for that." Really? And Seinfeld was kidding, but Howard took it kind of seriously he got on earnest, some yeah. level. Uh, also, they go way back, and they had a big breakup. Howard and, and Jerry Seinfeld. Is that right? Jerry Seinfeld before when he was just a, just a stand-up comedian. When you know when he used to go on uh, Carson and Letterman and all that. Yeah. Before his show, he would go on Howard's show and sit in for the news, which is was is Robin Quivers' big segment yeah. about an hour and a half at the end of the show, and that's a they would often have a comedian on, you know, Richard Lewis, Richard Belzer, uh, Seinfeld, yeah, and just kind of hang out and comment on that day's news. And Seinfeld was great at it, and they had a pretty good relationship, and he would be on once a month or something like that for years. Yeah, and then Seinfeld got his show, and it, it struggled initially. Seinfeld. It's Seinfeld Chronicles, it was called initially. And That's then it right. was Seinfeld. And it was very low rated, and I think it was on the verge of being canceled. And so he would come on, and, or he would sometimes just call up on a, you know, I don't think it was on Thursdays at that point, but he would call up on a Wednesday morning and go, Yeah, Howard, uh, can you tell people to watch my show tonight? It's on, you know, at 8 30 between uh, Caroline and the city, and, yeah. you know, whatever. And they would do it. And he would come on, and then uh, the show got very successful. And as often happens, yeah. uh, well, you didn't need Howard Stern so much. Right. And then Howard Stern took that badly. And Jerry Seinfeld was dating uh, a woman, a girl, I would say. She was 18, I think. Yes. A student at UCLA named uh, Shoshana Lowenstein. Yes, yes. Uh, I know this. Uh, and uh, they were seen, you know, photographed by the New York Post out and about. And at that time, he was 35, maybe. Right. Something like that. And Howard, of course, thought that was hilarious. 
not in a you know how dare he thing, but in just uh, you know or, Jerry or maybe in a go get him way. Well, there was a little <laughs> that, but it was more like uh, you know Jerry who's got uh, the clean white shoes and the squeaky clean image. Tiger Woods to yeah. some extent. Uh, it's funny that now Jerry had to go find himself an 18 year old to date. Yeah. Uh, Howard Stern's big thing was just throw a rock on Long Island and you will find a, a Jewish woman in her 30s who would give up their entire life to date Jerry Seinfeld for one night and uh-huh. all this stuff. Uh, and Jerry did not like that and then didn't come on the show for yeah. about, about 15. He, he called up angry one day. They had like a funny but angry talk yeah. for about a half hour. And then like a, was it. a week later he called up very angry. Because uh, Stern kept doing it? Yes. Or, yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, Howard, I like you a lot. And if I see you, I'm going to shake your hand. But I will uh, I will not be coming on anymore. And Howard, of course, said, well, wait till next season of the show. Uh, you're going to need us again. Yeah. And he was very wrong about that. So Howard Stern, not a future uh, teller. Yeah. But And then that was it. But although, like, about four years ago, Jerry was promoting some... B movie sequel or his wife's cookbook yeah, or something like yeah. that, and he suddenly needed Howard again, and they kind of patched it up because they didn't bring that up at all in their recent interview, which you heard. Yeah, right. And at that no was actually, point, and I'm coming to this late. Obviously, that had I, to have been either uh, predetermined that they weren't going to bring that up, or Howard just decided, let's done. not screw this up. Yeah, there's no need because we're both sixty year old men at this point. We don't need to be feuding about that. Yeah, yeah, it, that's interesting with Seinfeld, right? Because. Uh, you can't expect people not to point out. It's not. It's not. Uh, let's see. What is it? It's. Uh, it's. It's a little absurd. The re- a- I would. I would say the reason he was so upset. I could see him getting annoyed just because his personal life is being discussed. Right. But the reason he was so upset is because, and I, I bet he would say this now. Certainly, uh, he was not real proud of what he was doing. Probably. Right. Yeah. And I find that not that I'm dating uh, any 18 year olds, although I, I right. wouldn't be so upset about that. Some way. You know, I think. I 30. think the appropriate. Oh yeah. But ahead. a lot of things you do in life. And then I find myself getting upset. Like, if I write an article and I don't think it's particularly good or after the fact I realize I could have done better at this or I wasn't clear about explaining that. Yeah. And then the comment section, that's the first thing someone points out. Like, this sentence didn't really make any sense. What were you talking about here? And my initial reaction is to really get angry at that person. Yeah. But that's really just you should be turning that inward because yeah, you're right. just not real proud of what you're doing. At right, that right. So that's yeah. my guess. I feel like the, the one way to, to deal with that is to is to embrace it immediately. Yeah. To well, say, that's the other thing. That was the other Howard Stern point at the time was this is the, you know, a lot of people think the funniest man in America, Jerry Seinfeld, and uh, has zero sense of humor about this particular about that, topic. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's so when, when people start to – so that's when you say with Seinfeld, well, you're a comedian, your job – you would think that you're perfectly well-equipped to deflect situations right. like this and yet you're not able to. And that's the other thing. If he would have – Day one, yeah. called in and said, uh, "Hey Howard, I heard you were talking about me and my girlfriend. Yeah, bring her in, even to say hello. Yeah, like, show she's, uh, you know, relatively grown woman. Yeah, able to have a conversation. Maybe yeah. has a good sense of humor of her own. Well, then that's it. Probably. I right. mean, it's not something you're going to talk about right. every day for the next five months. Right. Certainly. Or yeah, I mean, you know, you want to keep some of it. But the, right, there's there's different ways of dealing right. with that. That that uh, maybe would not have led to. To, to a, a situation. Yeah, but it was yeah. probably better radio that they fought and then feuded and yeah, because Howard's very good. He did that with Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, did he have a young lady friend? No, they just feuded. Oh, but uh, like uh, with Wink Wink feuding or no? It was not well. They wasn't on the show. He used to come on the show all the time. Yeah. He was a regular. Sam Kinison used to be a regular. Yes, before he died. Uh, Jim Carrey used to come on and then he got big and then didn't come on. So it's yeah. I assume that once you reach a certain level. Maybe being associated with Howard Stern, there's a sort of seediness. Yeah. If you if you want to be in 
you know, if you want to be in family entertainment. Although now there are certain very famous people like Billy Joel or, uh, you know, Kelly Ripa who are actually friends with Howard Stern, uh-huh. like on Long Island or in the Hamptons or wherever. And so they know, they go out to dinner, he's always talking about, you know, or Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. They're like great friends, they go on vacation, you know, with their wives together and stuff. That's and funny. so then that's completely flipped around. So now they only come on the show because they actually like Howard as a guy off the air yeah and then just kind of put up with him they have to deal with air. him and is Artie Lang still around there or? Uh, no he got uh, he tried to kill himself well, like more than once yeah. yeah he had a very I think a heroin problem among other things yeah and he was great on the show for many years and then fi- he would just not show up or he would fall asleep in the chair in the studio and then Howard finally had to fire him he got his own radio show with another comedian named Nick DiPaolo yeah sure I know yeah. and they had a sports show and it was simulcast on DirecTV and I don't think it was doing all that. It was like a midnight show. Yeah. I don't think it was doing all that well. And so they fired Nick DiPaolo, and it just became the Artie Lang show. And I think it's still on. It's not It's not great. It's not great. Although I find myself, I don't like when people talk about sports necessarily. Yeah. Especially, like, Artie Lang knows a lot about sports. Yeah. This goes back to, like, good looking for a blogger or right. good political, you know, smart politically for a comedian. Yeah. Artie Lang is, knows a whole lot about sports for a guy from New Jersey or from a stand-up comedian or whatever, but... He doesn't know anything about sports compared to somebody who knows about sports. Right. Uh, and so, like, when, to hear him break down, you know, the Giants-Eagles game. Maybe you don't want him to break it down. Yeah. You don't want him to break it down. Which, he, you know, he has writers on, and he's interviewing him as if it's, like, you know, drive-time talk radio. Like, right. that's not what, what I like. But he yeah. seems to be doing well health-wise. I mean, he's not dead. That's good, which yeah. Which is good. You know, he has a funny story, his uh, anecdote about Bob Euchre. Yeah. A very similar one to and Norm It was him and Norm. Hanging out, I think, at, the, at a Brewers game. Yeah. I think that's what it was. They both yeah. tell stories about Bob yeah. Uecker. Bob Uecker seems like... Well, have you met Bob Uecker? You must have. Walked by Bob Uecker? I walked let's, by Bob Let's Uecker. put it that way. Yeah. yeah. I I was too... Uh, you know, I did... I've interviewed, you know, sort of a couple broadcasters, but it was... Euchre is like, you know, it's like looking into the face of God. You, yeah. You know, it's too... It's a little overwhelming. Yeah, I can I didn't want to... I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I'd approach it. I was afraid of the things I would say. Whenever what do you I mean see my grandfather. Whenever, yeah, well, that's he's in his seventies at least, yeah, Bob Uecker, yeah. right? So that's also a little, yeah, it's a little weird. But whenever I see, I don't get like starstruck that yeah. much, like. But what does run through my mind a lot is, well, what I would like to say to this person is, hello, I'm me, you're yeah. you. Yeah, I have been a big fan of you for a very long time, and I think you're great. Yeah, basically, that's what you want to say. And then I think, well, why would they care about that? A and how many thousands of people yeah. have said essentially that exact same thing? But you, I sort of would like to preface this with, there's going to be a 10-second interaction here. It's going to be good for your ego, and that's going to be it. Yeah. So don't worry about me hanging around for the next 45 minutes. Because yeah. then I feel like a person would be like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. If they knew you were going to leave, leave them alone now for the rest of their life. Yeah. But I have a feeling a lot of people probably, let's use Bob Uecker as an yeah. example, come up to him and then want to have a Bob Eucher experience. Right. I want your, are you my friend yet? Yes. That's right. Yeah, and that's the thing too is because the utility, right, of meeting someone, unless you have plans in the future to be part of the same, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go get a dinner together. Right. We'll get drinks in the future. Yeah, what's the, yeah, at a certain point you say, well, I don't know uh, what the outcome of this will be. Yeah. And even if you could convince them like with eye, like eye contact that yeah. this is going to be very short it's going to be nice for you yeah even then who's that benefiting I assume you have some uh, some people will say I, I appreciate your work Aaron Gleiman yeah which is very nice 
Although, even on that low level... You start to question their judgment. Yeah, and I also think... I don't know how to respond what do you to, s- to make it less awkward. Yeah. Because I, I'm so in my head that I, I immediately start... My brain starts churning. This is weird. What? How can I make this le- less awkward? But meanwhile, yeah. from their standpoint, it would be the same as if Are I was Are you suspicious in of... Uh, this is the Groucho Marx joke, right? Anybody uh, who likes me, why... Yeah, would yeah. you want to be part of a, yeah. a club that would have someone like you as a member? I am a little bit. Like uh, that. Are Which you part of any clubs? Saber. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's about it, I think. Clubs. That's about it. No, wait a second. B- uh, Baseball Think Factory Yeah. is, I believe it's unique in the sense that it's its own... Yeah, we have a chapter? You're a, chap- you're a chapter of yeah. Saber. It's usually was... like, there's like... Yeah, there's Milwaukee. a... Like, the Minnesota chapter is the Halsey Hall chapter. Okay. So I'm technically in there. I've never gone to a local event. Um, but yeah, each... Well, there's more. There can be more than one in a state, but yeah, each yeah. state has at least one. Oh hi. Uh, yeah, what did you have to drink? Blue Moon. Oh, can I have a Blue Moon, please? Blue Moon. Yeah. I'm good. Right. Just, we're ordering a drink. Yeah. You do this. Uh, you have done this in your podcast before, right? Yeah. When we're not during the baseball season, uh, at least until football season starts, yeah. we're on KFAN in Minnesota, yeah. 100.3 FM. Yeah. The number one sports station in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, the number one? So we're on from, uh, we do the show on Sundays live on the radio. Yeah. But then once Viking season hits, yeah. we go back to podcast only, which is, we've taped about 95% of them in a bar. Yeah. Usually 8 o'clock at night, something like that. Yeah. Um, Didn't so, you yeah. have a particular, was there an amorous lady? There have been several amorous ladies. Wow. Because it's, as we're seeing now, you, you do get some looks when you're, Couple guys sitting at a table with a laptop and some yeah. cords plugged in and a couple microphones. He's looking for bloggers. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least one of us. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the listener can decide. Yeah. Okay. Um, we get and also you add in alcohol. Yeah. People get drunk and they've, the been, they've been eyeing us, like probably saying to their friends, "What are they doing over there?" Yeah. And then at some point they hit that magic mark of drunkenness. Yeah. And just kind of mosey on over. Some if we're in a booth, sometimes they just slide into the booth. But we leave it in. Uh, I would say, I would say, I'm curious as to how people behave when they're drinking. Yeah. And I would say that um, among people I know, your uh, your mannerisms change very little. I mean, relative to is that good? I would say I that's it's, good. I think it's good. Yeah. Some people I know they. I mean, well, the worst is when people get uh, they get angry. Well, the two the two ends of the spectrum, angry or huggy, the guys who want to hug you all the time, or hey, right. man, I love yeah. you. That's yeah. not great either. Yeah, that's yeah. not great. Yeah, because you say, come on, let's. My uh, state of mind when I'm, you know, buzzed, let's say, mm-hmm. is I would like to do exactly what we did last night in the hotel lobby, mm-hmm. which is I like to get a group of 15 guys or women, yeah. 15 people, humans, preferably, people, yeah, around a couple of big tables yeah. with nowhere to be. And some time to drink. Just talk to each other. And just shoot the S. Yeah. That's me censoring myself, by the yeah. way. You could no, say it. Say it. Shoot the Okay. Mark the time and date. This is my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. That's, like, literally my favorite thing to do in the world. Yeah, I it's agree. just... And, you know, sometimes that's great over a big dinner or something like that. You get the wine phone. But even without food involved, just sit around. Yeah. Comfortable chairs and just... We have nowhere to be. No yeah. one's leaving. 
we're well, you just certainly gonna... have a good rapport with that uh, with that group. Well, yeah, it's a good group for that. Um, Chris Chris Dial is a, certainly a vocal yeah, member. Yeah, he's, uh, he's our best and brightest, I would say. Chris Dial, it should be known, Chris Dial I, um, was uh, important certainly early on. Yes, and is still involved with uh, the gold glove voting, I guess, okay. this year or in the future at least. Has now is going to involve a sabermetric or a numbers-based aspect. Yeah. I don't know if it counts for a certain percentage of the vote or whatever, but so they've brought in... You know, uh, John Dewan, I right. think, and some other people who have developed their own defensive metrics. And Chris Dial had one of the the original defensive metrics, which was on Baseball Primer, okay. published, edited by Dan Zimborski, probably, or yeah. maybe not. So edited by Dan Zimborski, uh, and they uh, he's now roped into it's sort of like a BCS formula for defensive ratings. Okay, kind yeah, of. Uh, yeah. And so he is, you know, he's got a real job. Where he's in charge of people, and I think he's like a chemist or a scientist. He's a, he's or a real adult professional. Yeah, person. so he doesn't have time to, to mess around with this baseball stuff. But yeah, he was he did great research. Right. And now he doesn't have the time to do that. So now instead, he sits in people's rooms at three a.m. and says somebody should look into this. Yeah. And then he lays out a thing that would be fascinating for someone else to look into. And then the next morning, we have a vague remembrance of what he said. And it, last night it was about. Uh, Flipping a lineup and platoon splits, and the first guy out of the bullpen should always be the opposite handedness and the opposite uh, velocity of the starting pitcher. That's probably true. And nobody does that, and there was a big argument about that. But yeah, he's uh, not only good writer and researcher, but one of my favorite people yeah. at these. Well, you know, I mean, actually, one good strategy would be to start a start a player. I mean, especially for the playoffs, right? And now it's your starting pitcher. The opposing manager sets his lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, if, it, if it's a right-handed pitcher, a lot more lefties. And then second batter, second batter bring in a lefty. Yeah, and also in the that's a that's a little bit of dirty pool. Yeah. But a we're yeah, it's a billion dollar industry, so who cares? Right. And b in the playoffs, it's all out no. the window anyway. His example, Chris Dial used last night, was uh, Tony Larusa's A's at one point went to three inning starters. I think it was a very brief experiment. And Larusa did it for the benefits for the pitching staff, largely. So he would start Dave Stewart, and Dave Stewart would only pitch three innings, and then he would bring somebody in, and they would use like three pitchers, three innings, and then kind of go from there if they needed to. Yeah. But Chris Dials' point was he wasn't thinking about it, what he's doing to the other manager, and so that often it would be a righty relieving a righty because Larusa hadn't thought the flip side of it. Larusa right. was only thinking this is how I'm going to manage my rotation right. and my my pitching staff. Which is interesting enough because, you know, relievers perform better than starters and you're one time through the lineup, you're going to be better usually than two times. So that has its own interesting aspect. But if you start thinking, well, there's a guy in that other dugout probably freaking out. Right. Knowing I'm going to do this and how yeah. does that affect his beginning lineup? Yeah. How does that, does he pull guys who should be platooned the first time I bring in a reliever? The second time I bring in a reliever? So, but Lewis never really brought it that well, far. Well, ideally, if you could somehow construct it, right? You would you you would be able to have pitchers that you're not paying a lot of money. Yeah. But you have them you have them go once through the lineup each, right? And yeah, preferably you stack you alternate righty lefty righty, righty, righty yeah. yeah. And in that way, because every pitcher, to to my knowledge, is better the first time through the lineup than he is the second. Right. Even if you look at I mean, in the best pitchers, it's just that, you know, maybe. The second time or even third time through the lineup, they're still better than most other pitchers. Right. That's a thing. Well, that's what, that's how you determine if somebody's a good starter. Right. So, Justin Verlander, I'm sure, is better early. Yeah. Yeah. Although, he is a better example this year. But, uh, the difference is, 
you know, I'm sure he'd be a hell of a reliever too. Yeah. It just so happens that he's his ninety percent effectiveness in the fourth inning is just better than everybody else's one hundred percent effectiveness. Right. Um, but yeah, it'd be. I think somebody will do something like this. It'll probably be like you know a Joe Madden type. Right. Who is? Oh, here we go. There's your blue moon. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh. Hand snacks for you. Oh, there we go. Oh, this is excellent. Thank you. And so a much. water. Yeah. Thank you. All right, we got some. Look at that. Here. We're, I think we're nearing the end here because I'm gonna. I'm gonna okay. want to. We're sort of hunched over. Yeah. Well, this is my natural state. Yeah. Yes. What do we got here? You got peanuts? You don't eat this sort of stuff? I do, but, you know. What? what? Well, I'm remaining professional. We're being recorded, Carson. Oh, yeah. Chewing on air is a is a big no-no. What do we do? Um, yeah, I got nothing else. Do we have any big topics we can wrap up with here? I'm trying to think what of you what, we haven't, what we haven't talked about. We talked a little bit of baseball. We did? We talked a lot of comedy, which we tend to always do. Some death talk, which we tend to always do. Yeah. Wait, Some wait. parental talk, which we tend to always do. We have a few, like, really bullet points that we hit each time. I like to return... Well, I like to return to basics. Okay. To fundamentals. Right. Life and, life and death. Life and death. And people you're annoyed with during the life part. And people you can annoy by dying. No, that's not my thing. That's more my thing. Content... Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, well, you always have to balance, right? I mean, people are valuable... Other people besides yourself are valuable insofar as they could be sources of comfort yes. and love, or uh, you know, sexual pleasure. Yes, which is one of it's. That's a for most people. I don't know if necessity is the exact word, but whether just, someone else is helping you out or you're doing it, just yourself, short of necessity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that these are things that of which life is made. But you also have to deal with their antics as well. Right. What do you think about this? Maybe this wraps it all together and we'll, we'll shut up. But this just occurred to me. Yeah, okay. Do you think there's a replacement level for people? As in, uh, yeah. not the skills that they bring to their job, but just the, you know, you're, like we were talking about. I like to sit around with a dozen people. Yeah. And just chat for three hours and get increasingly drunk. But looking around the table, you can certainly point to the people who are driving this experience and the people who sit back, yeah. there are counterpunchers, which I sort of consider myself a conversational counterpuncher. Yeah. I think I can add th- good things to a... So you're waiting for... So other people will be kind of supplying... They'll be doing some of the heavy lifting. Yeah, I don't bring up a topic. Yeah. But uh, three minutes into that, if I can think of something, I'll certainly shout it out. And I like to think I add a little something. But then there are also people who are, you know, just utility men. They're just there to, sure. to make sure it's not only five people at a table, that there's uh, 11 people at the table. Well, they're filling out the roster. Yes. Right. I mean, so you're talking about this is not baseball. This is a, a conversation or banter. Yeah, just sort of. Uh, yeah, although I'm sure it could apply to jobs, certainly. But I just mean uh, social settings. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think I would say that. Well, it's not a zero sum game. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, that's one thing in terms of. Well, that might be because you, you can only have so many words being spoken at a, at a time so that everyone can Yeah, understand. although we, tr- we tested that last yeah, night, you did. I will say. If not, in, I mean, frequency and volume. Yeah. Um, the other thing, but like in terms of friends and acquaintances, that's not a zero-sum game. I think people have, some people have a lot of friends, but their replacement level might be lower. Right. For me, I only, the way I utilize it is that, I try and only... Ha- I have a stars and scrubs approach. Yeah, I'm you, that way too. You know, yeah. there's some people... 
who let's bring up Dane for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that um, sort of dramatically, my disgust for him has been has been made clear. But I think Dane is like, I think he's very. I think he's a, a VIP in the world. Yeah, I would say he's a six to seven WAR per season because human. he he combines a number of things, which is his prose is amazing. Yeah. His uh, his spoken English is amazing, and these are these are things I value pretty highly. In addition to that, he's a horrible self promoter, right? Which yes, I, I think which is, is great, very charming. Yeah, especially at you know a level where it could very much help him, and he has opportunities to do it. Yeah, and yet just eh, I mean, I think part of it is that he lo- he loathes the process. Yeah, um, and he also I think is realistic about his value his his utility to other people. Right, but um, yeah, that, that it's sort of those two things. And he actually seems to have, um, like, actual reasonable priorities. Like, he, he really loves his child. Yeah. I've seen him with his son. Like, he's he's very affectionate, you know. Um, it, but at the same time, he's not um, – he doesn't fetishize, like, parenting. You know, like, he doesn't right. fetishize, like, like, oh, I'm worried I'm going to hurt my child. He says – he spe- his spoken English, his English in front of his child is the same it is in front of a lot of adults. Right, which I, I hate when uh, the kid's not one anymore, when the kid's six. Yeah. And you're still baby-talking them. Yeah. That's not good for anybody because yeah. you look like an idiot. Yep. And, uh, you know, when kids get together, they, you know, their voices may sound like babies, but they're not, you know, calling each other, you know, they're not Google and gaga on each other. They right. talk. If you, if you ever, like... Just overhear like three kids sitting together talking. Yeah, they do talk like you know. No, what we they say we say them. this is people without children. Oh, that's true. Yeah, thankfully. Who well, knows? in my case, in your thankfully. case, I feel you'd be a, a reasonable parent. I think I would be. Yeah, uh, not in terms. of, I mean, from what I've heard of your wife, she's more responsible than you, is, and would is. probably make for a, a good mother. I think. Yeah, we would have a good. Uh, Complimentary skills, my wife and I. I think it would add to the podcast once in a while. The kid walks by, shouts something in the microphone. Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe do an interview with the child. At some yeah, point. exploit exploit my child. Yeah, that's always a good. I thing. was gonna say for fun and profit, but Turns it would be well little of one and none of the other. Yeah, Dane's kids are as maybe I know his wife has occasionally shouted things that you can Recently hear. Recently, she made an appearance. Yeah, I like that. I and listen she, to everyone. She dismisses out of hand all of his endeavors. Yeah, she was like. Uh, Although if he if he sort of dismisses. All of his endeavors. Yeah. Well, she's not gonna not do that, right? Because you know. Well, she could be. Oh no, your what you do is important. But she's yeah, not like but that. that seems like a bad fit for him. Yeah. I don't think he would have uh, found himself a a person who does that. Yeah. He, yeah. She's 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 very nice. She's very nice. Yeah. Well, um, here's how we're gonna wrap up. Yeah. Okay. It's not, I'm in charge of this podcast. Yeah. Now, okay. Time. I just would like to say yeah. to the people who have gotten through. What are we at? Over an hour. Yeah. To the small percentage of people have probably gotten to the end of this. You're showing excellent endurance. Yeah. I'm going to say, I just want to make it very clear that this is really the only, well, if you want to call it a sports podcast, that I listen to on a regular basis. Yeah. And I just want to make people aware, maybe if they're listening to this for the first time, this is, a, Carson is as good as it gets, in my opinion. That's sweet of you to say. To having one-on-one conversations with people who are not... Uh, professional uh, talkers yeah. a lot of the time like I'm well recently I've become a semi-professional talker yeah. but generally I'm not yeah and you are very good at you know we didn't have a lot of notes here to talk no. free-flowing interesting Hopefully. weird occasionally funny yeah. and enough sports well you know the Dave Cameron ones if you're into baseball sure if you're one of those weirdos who likes baseball <laughs> you can listen to uh, Dave Cameron talk about what it, all things baseball yeah 
or most things baseball. Sometimes yeah. it's only like 95% things baseball. But yeah, so at the end of here, I just want to say, I love your show. I appreciate that. I've made that clear, right? On the internet oh, and in you, person. Uh, you've been too, too supportive. And it I'd is a, uh, a thrill for me to be on multiple times, in person, over the phone, whatever. I think it's great. I, I think it's great to have, uh, I've had a lot of fun in uh, continuing to do the podcast and bringing people on for a second and third time. Yeah. You know, because you start to develop a rapport. And it's a great excuse to, for meeting people, you know, and talking with them and creating a pretty good pretense upon which to have a discussion that, honestly, I feel like in my actual life, I'm not able to facilitate those all the time. But you have this as a tool. Yeah. I've thought about that. Uh, you know, we do, it's basically a twins only show that I do. And we have guests on, you know, beat reporters sometimes or local media people. But I've thought about potentially starting a non-baseball or even a non-sports podcast. And the probably the number one draw is similar to that is like, if I did it at my house or at a bar or something, I could just probably pick people that I would never really never meet right. and say it would mostly be local but so you know Minnesota is fairly limited in that yeah. but I could say hey you want to uh, come over and basically talk to me for an hour yeah and normally they would probably say no yeah uh, and this time because right that's that's a strange thing to say yeah should we talk for an hour yeah it is a strange thing to say right I want to have a conversation with you for an hour and I guess that's what you're implying if you ever say hey you want to grab a drink it shouldn't be a strange like if you would have said to me an hour ago hey should we go sit over here and have uh, blue moons and talk about nonsense for an hour. Yeah, it would be just as fun. But there's a certain doesn't click right away. For sure. But meanwhile, we well, put this mic and this beautiful mic. Not bad. It's yeah, a, this is so much higher quality than. I also there's what I a, use. if you're recording it, there's some measure it appeals to that part of your brain where it's a performative aspect. Yes. And I think that that helps me a lot. Is that true? And I've heard how going back to Howard Stern, he always talks about like his mother used to call in to have arguments with him because he would say I do not want to talk about this in person because I will be passive yeah. and I will let you win and then I will go home angry And but if you call in I will tell you exact I will be at a heightened uh, you know state of you know, aggressiveness of being, or whatever yeah. and it's even better that way and that's definitely true I mean like I like to talk about the twins but on my podcast you know I certainly try to be more eloquent and babble on more you know yeah. lengthier comments than you normally would in person and that does create better conversations. I think so, yeah. Like, if you could somehow convince people at a bar, like, you're performing somehow. Although, I guess if you're, you know, hitting on someone, there's a performance aspect. Although, I've never quite mastered that. Because I try to talk about the twins there, and it just doesn't... I don't think... Nobody appreciates the Jubiterra I think that thing, hitting talk. on someone... For me, I just ne- I never was. Yeah, I'm terrible at that. I, I don't, for me, it's not even a thing. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't even know what that means. Uh, I have... For me, I've always just waited until I'm accidentally in a relationship with someone. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, that, it's worked for you, right? It has, yeah. I mean, it only, like my dad used to say when I was batting in Little League, only takes one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know? Well, I've now, you know, I've had uh, a dating game on the radio, mm-hmm. live at the State Fair. Yeah. Which was uh, less than successful, let's call it. Okay. Made for good radio. Yeah. I think we're doing that again in several weeks. Okay. Um, Girls Gone Gleeman, it's called. And girls participate in this? Yes. Willingly? Multiple. Uh, Are they compensated? No. Is there a door prize? I bought them. Uh, I bought one of them uh, fried pickles at the did state fair. Did you go fair. out on a date with any of them? At the state fair, yeah. We went out on a little... How did that, how did that go? Uh, it was all right. We had a conversation. It's okay. You ever think of doing like an OK Cupid or J-Date or something? No, that uh, for so- which is odd because I live my entire life on the internet basically, mm-hmm. but there's still some stigma attached to that, I, I want to tell you. Because... 
Less so, certainly, than there was. But. It's always a question of just finding a... Like you said, hey, you you know, and let's say we didn't know each other as well. Because I think that even if we don't haven't had a lot of FaceTime, right. I think that we uh, we recognize in each other kindred kindred spirits. Yes. And you can, I think you see that pretty quickly. But again, it's a pretense upon which to facilitate, you know, developing that. And so just as it's weird for me to say, hey, you want to go over there and have a conversation right. for an hour? I think um, meeting people is a really hard thing to do, especially, you know, well, wherever you live. But you meet people in college, which you dropped out of. Yes. You meet people at a job, which you do from your which home. Which I've... Successfully dropped things. out of. I bet some people will, will meet people through um, maybe a church or yeah. some other organization mm-hmm. of which you're a member of. Uh, no. I was expelled uh, from, from Sunday school. Is that right? Once upon a time. Yeah. yeah. So so the thing is, now, so I I have a select group. There's, there are people I know. They didn't meet anyone. They didn't meet anyone by the classic channels. And now all of a sudden they're professionals living in an American city. It's tough to. It's actually tough to meet people in a city. Yeah. Because you look around, like you're in New York. I look around. I'd go out with her. 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 Yes. Go out with her. Yeah. You know. But the question is, like, how do you meet any of them? Yeah. And more of so, how do they begin to care about you even a little bit? Right. Uh, the way I'm doing it now. Yeah. Uh, which you know the level of success is, I'll call it incomplete. But, uh, you know, we have uh, blogger meetups where yeah. a surprising number of women come. Occasionally meet one there. Through the radio, through mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, through the blog. I sort of, that's how I got my job. Yeah. I've never applied for a job. I've never really made an effort for anything ever in yeah. any circumstance. But, uh, you know, if a woman emails you and says, mm-hmm. uh, hey, we met at, you know, that's this nice. meetup. Would you like to go to a Twins game? That's always a good one. Because, you know, then you're stuck with them for three hours, but you can... Just stare ahead at the baseball game if yeah. it's the worst conversation ever. So I've been doing that more recently. That's nice. With some level so of like proper uh, dates. Yeah, but prop, sort of proper dates, but not initiated by me at all. That's because nice. I am well borderline incapable of initiating that. Yeah. But if you have even a small level of this is not fame, but being known at least locally in yeah. a smaller you know market or what, not Minneapolis isn't that small, but you know what I mean. Uh, you can kind of, you know, let it come to you a little bit. And I would assume if if a young woman has listened to your podcast or read your writing, yeah, oh. uh, there's an autobiographical streak in there. Sure, yeah. So she's going to know your limitations. Yeah, you know what you're getting into a little bit, yeah. maybe? Um, That's not bad. Yeah, and you're, if you're charmed by, you know, me tweeting at 2 a.m. about, uh, you know, a three-month-old episode of Chopped that I've DVR'd and I'm now analyzing to... Uh, Pretty in-depth degree. Yeah, I'm the man for you. There you probably go. at that point. There you go. Yeah. Well, any fan graphs, audio listeners out there, probably have a very large female listenership. Actually, we had a young. Uh, and I, uh, pardon me, I don't know if this is crass or not. Quite attractive, a uh, young woman uh, tweeted at me today. She said, "I need more of the Dane podcast." Yeah, she we said, all do. I mean, look. I, did you see I gave you a new nickname? Was, oh. The uh, Dane Perry Delivery System. Delivery System. Content Delivery System. Yeah, yeah, which I like because, you know, otherwise you're short on Dane Perry-ness, if not for you. Well, you know, it used to be every week. Now we're doing... Yeah. It yeah. really upsets me. Yeah. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Nothing. You know what the next um, the next episode, we're recording next week, you know what, uh, it's going to be a... Uh, Can I say it? Yeah. Question time. Question time. Yeah, it's going to be a 
question time. I was question time. Very proud of you for putting in the uh, the edits necessary yeah. for that. I was I was very proud of myself for thinking of that. Yeah. But then I realized, no, it probably just sounded like me being a jerk dropping. But did in you the, notice uh, the temple? Yeah, he did it in I person. Yeah, so I recorded. So well, he's very musical. Up. You know, he wanted to. At one yeah. point, he he says, "Should I drum this?" Yeah. And you say, "Oh no, no." I got a nickname. You know, you say I'm Dave Perry Delivery System. Yes. I got a nickname for. Uh, for a temple over there. Okay. Tuba cheeks. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Or um, old tuba cheeks, because he has a little bit floppy yeah. cheeks. I also liked my favorite part was right away when you said uh, something about him being Jewish, and he said, uh, "Nope, still not Jewish, still not Jewish." Yeah. And then uh, somebody else asked him that later, because uh, Larry Mankin, who you met last night, I believe. Yeah. yeah okay. Jewish. Got okay. a few of us around here. Yeah. And somebody said to David, "Oh, here's a basically here's another one we got." Yeah. And David said, "Nope, still not Jewish." <laughs> so he's just going around this t- uh, the, the Marriott. The name Temple hurts in that regard. Temple. Uh, he's got curly hair. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't I don't think I'm being insensitive when I say that uh, we could say that uh, among certainly among Jewish people I've met, mm-hmm. um, and we might say that there is sort of a tradition. Uh, you know. Woody Allen and Larry David all live up to this of a certain level of anxiety, yeah. a certain uh, rate of speech, yeah. word, words per minute, WPMs, yeah. and uh, and a, a certain not just sense of humor, but a desire to sort of um, you know kind of cra- craft out of life's myriad anxieties <laughs> to, to see humor in that and uh, and to sort of be on a stage always, uh, you know, like every every. Every Jew is like a is like a is his own job. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, you get the sense. It's like you're constantly being assaulted. Yeah. By various small uh, small. Uh, I w- yeah. Diseases. I think that's true. You also get the uh, the other stereotype is of course the the meekness of Woody Allen without the humor, which yeah. having gone to Temple, not David Temple. Right. I don't know. If you could technically go to go to, to, go, go sounds to him. not yeah. good, but maybe not. Uh, there is that. There is a. There are a lot of Woody Allen's walking around synagogues in the United States of America uh, without the uh, redeeming qualities of a Woody Allen, oh. which is the negative stereotype I think that people have of Jews. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've, I've never found the, the negative. Which is not stereotype. wholly inaccurate, mm-hmm. like a lot of stereotypes, I yeah. suppose. But okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Hey, um, I'd like to end this. With you, the way I end, um, I've started ending, and I mentioned this, the, the Temple Edition, the way I end all my interviews now with professional baseball players. Yeah. By shaking your hand on air. Okay. Yeah. Should we, do we, do you ever rub against the microphone, or is this just purely theater of the mind? No, no, just, just okay. yeah, just shake your hand. We're not really shaking hands. No, yeah, we, we just did. I tried to give him dap, you know, a little fist bump. I did it. it. I've done it with everyone now, and I don't, I just find, because I want to say, I feel like shaking someone's hand is the thing to do. You know, I did it to Connor Harrell recently. He yeah. Like, oh, okay. He's we're, not a major leaguer. He's a minor leaguer. We're now at the point where we're analyzing the goodbye. Yeah, the goodbye. That's yeah. This is a long goodbye. Yeah, this is a long goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. All right, that has been uh, Aaron Gleeman of AaronGleeman.com, of Gleeman and the Geek uh, podcast, which you can find uh, the World Wide Web. Yep. And also uh, Hardball Talk. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the NBC Sports.com. Uh, you know. CBS is I Am Baseball, uh, yeah. home for all baseball. Home for all baseball fans. You know, if you want to see the real deal. Yeah. The original. 
Not e- well, not quite the original. One of the original content uh, aggregators. Yeah. You know where to go. NBCSports.com. That's true. Yeah, that's Aaron Gleeman. Thank you, Aaron Gleeman. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.